You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is part of our Blogs on Tape series for audio learners and busy professionals. It is entitled The History of Chargebacks and is read by me, Justine Love. The History and Evolution of Chargebacks The history of chargebacks really doesn't go back very far, less than 50 years in fact, but in that short span of time, what started as a consumer safety feature has rapidly evolved into a dangerous threat. Consumers have learned ways to exploit the process, and e-commerce merchants are paying the price. Where did the chargeback system come from? Cardholders who feel that credit card transaction is inaccurate or unfair have the option of filing a chargeback with the bank that issued the card. A chargeback basically gives the bank permission to forcibly remove money from a merchant's account and return it to a customer's account. But where did this system originate? Obviously, the history of chargebacks is irrevocably linked to the history of credit cards themselves. This article briefly outlines how the concept of credit cards developed, when and why chargebacks were added to the mix, and what happened to make the system unworkable. 1899. First reported credit identity theft. The basic concept behind credit cards, using something of no real value to represent a financial transaction, is almost as old as commerce itself. By the turn of the 20th century, many merchants were issuing credit coins or charge plates to regular customers as a way of extending credit. Public transportation companies, for example, issued passes that allowed holders to ride on credit, then settle up at the end of the month. In 1899, an enterprising man observed another man tossing his credit card in the trash. The first man retrieved the card and was able to use it for a month, running up a huge tab on the owner's bill and creating the first recorded case of credit ID theft. 1946. Charge It Throughout the first half of the century, a number of department stores and gas stations issued their own proprietary cards, similar to modern-day department store cards. They were accepted only at the issuing merchant, who considered them a way to boost customer loyalty. A New York banker named John Biggins took the idea one step further by creating the Charge It card, which allowed credit at multiple local merchants, but only for customers of Biggins Franklin National Bank. 1958. Bank AmeriCard. Other banks took up Biggins' idea, but there was a significant difference in these cards and modern credit cards. Back then, accounts had to be paid in full at the end of each month. The year 1958 saw the debut of Bank AmeriCard and the first bank card that offered revolving credit at any participating merchant. Bank AmeriCard was the forerunner of what we know as Visa MasterCharge, which would become MasterCard showed up a few years later. It should be noted that instead of waiting for customers to decide if they were interested, Bank AmeriCard jump-started the process by mailing 60,000 cards to unsuspecting customers. This blind mass mailing technique was standard practice for the first few years, resulting in a lot of credit cards going to people who normally wouldn't qualify for a credit card. Not surprisingly, trouble followed. 1968. Magnetic Stripes and Truth in Lending By this time, bank cards had gone global, but they still hadn't gained the widespread acceptance the networks were hoping for. U.S. customers in particular were suspicious of this newfangled payment method. The Federal Reserve Board responded to these fears with the Truth in Lending Act of 1968, 
which requires lenders to conspicuously provide customers with loan cost information. This includes annual percentage rate, APR, term of the loan, and total cost of the borrower. But rampant credit card fraud was still an issue, driving banks to find faster, more secure ways to process transactions. IBM introduced a technology that allowed cardholders' information to be encoded onto a magnetic stripe attached to the plastic card. The lag time for verifications, which had taken days, was reduced to a matter of seconds. 1974 Fair Credit Billing Act Even with new safety technology and regulations in place, people still worried that their card would be lost or stolen, leaving them stuck paying for unauthorized transactions. There were also fears of unscrupulous merchants inflating prices or tracking on transaction fees after the fact. The Fair Credit Billing Act of 1974 attempted to address these issues by creating what we now know as a chargeback. The chargeback option reassured consumers in two ways. One, it strictly limited their liability in case of fraud. At the same time, it helped keep merchants honest by giving cardholders the ability to fight back against deceptive practices. 1978 Electronic Funds Transfer Act The EFT Act provided debit card fraud protection that was similar to that of credit cards, although not as comprehensive. While it does limit liability in the event of fraud, the customer must report the incident immediately. Also, the regulation doesn't ensure repayment of any money withdrawn from the customer's account using the stolen card. Now the next event on our timeline happens nearly four decades later. During that time, the entire way we shop, work, learn, and communicate was completely unpended and revolutionized. The chargeback system, however, remained largely unchanged. 2015, EMV, Liability Shift, and Data Breaches Between 2013 and 2015, a mere seven data breaches exposed personal information from over six billion consumers, and that doesn't include billions more from other hacks. In many cases, this gave criminals access to information that could be used in counterfeit transactions, particularly in card-not-present situations, such as internet purchases. To protect their interests, card networks began shifting from magnetic stripes to using the EMV chip cards. The computer chip in EMV cards is more secure, but required merchants to invest in new card readers. As an incentive to make that investment, the networks also began shifting fraud liability to merchants who didn't upgrade. Essentially, they were telling merchants, you can still use old equipment, but if a fraudulent transaction goes through, we'll hold you responsible. 2017, VCR and other updates. Recognizing that the legacy chargeback system wasn't working, Visa rolled out a new dispute process. Visa Claims Resolution, VCR. The new procedure sought to close some of the loopholes, reduce fraudulent claims, and improve the customer experience. For merchants, this theoretically meant fewer chargebacks filed, but it also meant they'd have less time to respond to the ones that did. MasterCard began implementing its own dispute resolution initiative later that year, a similar but less comprehensive program than VCR. MasterCard's changes will be rolled out in phases over the next two years. 2018 GDPR The European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, 
is a regulation designed to protect consumer privacy and reduce the amount of personal information available in the event of a data breach. It limits the way companies are allowed to use and store customer data, but it also limits their ability to hold on to that data in the interest of fraud prevention. The full effects of this regulation remain to be seen. As we mentioned earlier, the credit card chargeback was originally designed for consumer protection and to build consumer confidence. Back before bank credit cards had gained widespread acceptance, U.S. customers were suspicious of this new process and afraid that they would be taken advantage of when chargebacks work. Even in its current inefficient state, the chargeback system is capable of doing exactly what it was designed to do, protect cardholders from invalid charges. Experts have found that all transaction disputes are caused by one of three things, merchant error, criminal fraud, or friendly fraud. Merchant error could be anything from a simple typo to the failure of a processing terminal. Criminal fraud comes primarily through identity theft. In both cases, there is a clear problem that is not the customer's fault, and therefore the cardholder's responsibility for repayment is limited. With the headlines regularly reporting large-scale data breaches, it would seem that most chargebacks come from criminal fraud. Statistics show, however, that the average merchant typically loses more revenue to friendly fraud than to merchant errors and criminal fraud combined. Friendly fraud, exploiting a massive loophole. Friendly fraud, also called chargeback fraud, is when cardholders intentionally bypass the merchant and ask their bank for a refund directly. In some cases, this can be an honest mistake. The customer may truly believe that calling the bank is the same as getting reimbursed by the store. But there is also an increasing number of cardholders who know their actions are dishonest, yet call the bank anyway in a form of cyber shoplifting. This type of behavior was always possible, but has only become a large-scale threat in the last few years. Why? The proliferation of high-speed internet access leading to the rise of e-commerce. Shopping has changed, chargebacks haven't. Chargebacks may be a much-needed form of consumer protection, but that system was created for a time when credit cards were kept in wallets or purses. Today, however, account information can be stored in the cloud, in your phone, or in multiple online accounts. The internet has made it easier than ever to purchase items sight unseen. Card numbers get passed to retailers, Merchandise gets shipped to customers, and e-commerce, not even a pipe dream in the 70s, now accounts for nearly 10% of total retail sales in the U.S. Ideally, banks would thoroughly investigate the validity of each chargeback prior to acceptance. In the real world, however, banks seldom have the resources to perform due diligence on more than a handful of cases until industry-wide changes are implemented to close the loopholes Friendly fraud will continue to grow as a threat. Changing the history of chargebacks. Chargebacks started as consumer protection. They still serve that purpose, but customers have found ways to exploit the system. This results in merchants paying chargeback fees, increasing their processing risk, and losing revenue with each chargeback filed. Hopefully, the history of chargebacks will be a lesson for the future. If your chargeback management strategy isn't working, Chargebacks 911 can show you how to reduce risks before they become liabilities. To learn more, find us online at chargebacks911.com or call us at 877-634-9808.